episode 287 of Global from Asia, expanding globally, hacks and insights from all these different marketplaces, rock your 2020. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. So I got in trouble by my wife. We're freezing cold here in Shenyang, China, North Dong, Northeast China, or Dongbei, or Beidong, literal translation, east north of China. And hope everybody had an amazing holidays. It is getting into January, or it is January already, and this is the first podcast of the year. So I got in trouble by my wife. I took the kids, Miles and Maggie, to the local mall here. We had to bundle up. It's like across the street, literally, but, uh, you know, there's the gate and then you cross the road and you got to go inside the mall and there's like four doorways of like different levels of entry of, to keep you warm. So it keeps going. Like you open one gate and then there's sliding doors and then there's these plastic heavy things and the cloth heavy things. Hard to explain. So I took the kids there. We all bundled up or Wendy and, uh, aunts and uncles all pundled them up when it was just me and the kids coming back maggie didn't want to put her like third pair of pants on he's like kind of like uh ski pants puffy ski pants so you know i stuck it in my jacket and uh we walked back home you know we had the hoodies and the coats and the sweaters and the gloves and but she didn't have her on her third set of pants on so i get back to the uh one of our houses, family houses here in, in Shenyang, and uh, my wife's like, where's her pants? Where's her pants? I'm like, she didn't want to wear them, you know? We just literally <laughs> can see the mall across the street. I'm like, it's like just there. She's like, she's going to get sick, and she's going to catch a cold now. And I'm like, all right, anyway, part of life here. Anyways, I uh, thought I'd a little bit of a fun story. Also, we are locking in the dates for the Cross-Border Summit 5th Annual 2020, going way deep into November. It's going to be outside of China's time in Chiang Mai, Thailand. November 19th to 20th. Save the dates. Um, if you're on our email list, you'll get more updates. And if you're our member, GFA VIP, you'll get even more updates. But save the date for now. We'll, we'll let you know once things get more confirmed. But it'll be after the trade shows and all that stuff. And uh, we're getting things lined up now with amazing speakers and sponsors. If you're interested or want to get on our waiting list, crossbordersummit.com slash Thailand. All right. So this week's show is a cool one. Actually, speaking of the summit, she was this, she was a speaker there, Yana. She's an amazing woman and entrepreneur, business owner, and world traveler that's working with marketplaces and Amazon all around the world in different languages. And we kind of had this around-the-world discussion talking about you know, some of the ins and outs, which she's seen with her clients and working and, and, uh, hopefully you can learn from this and hopefully maybe you can even open a new marketplace or at least make steps towards it. It's a new decade. Oh, you know, not just a new year. It's a new decade, 2020s. Let's tune in episode 287. Do you need content for your online business? We are partners at contentinvestments.com. It's an agency to help you write content, blogs, podcasts, and other types of interactive content for your business as we all need it's almost like cash currency check it out at www.contentinvestments.com 
some of our listeners are enjoying it now. All right. Thank you, everybody. Tuning in on our Global From Asia podcast. This will, we're doing this in December, but I think this will be our first one for 2020, and I'm excited for that. We have with us Jana Krekic from YLT Translations. Thanks so much for coming on, Jana. Hey, Michael. Thank you so much for having me today. Hey, guys. Um, hope you're doing great in the New Year's. Uh, it's a fresh start. And I think everybody loves January as a moment to, you know, get into their future endeavors and get ready to launch new products and get ready to do new things in their life. Exactly. It's a fresh start. You know, I guess people go yeah. to the gym probably after the all the food from <laughs> from December, but they also should maybe do some listening to this show and um, excited. I mean, you're you know, you also shared at the Cross Border Summit. And you were hanging out in China, you know, also in uh, Hong Kong. We we spent a lot of time hanging out, and it was nice. And it's a pleasure to have you on today. There's so much, especially American sellers, but people all around the world. Actually, for our show, people say they like Global from Asia a lot because it's not U.S. centric. So I think today's show, today's content will be um, ha- helpful for them. You you help with of course translation localization and uh, do you want to give us a little bit of your background before we get into the topic? Sure. So um, I've been in e-commerce for for a long time. Um, I was working in one of the biggest uh, e-commerce in Denmark um, for about eight years. I was uh, I was a CEO of the company and they were selling about a hundred thousand products on Amazon. And this was about you know, 10 years ago and when I first uh, got interested in Amazon and I was leading the whole team and basically we tried so many different things. And then I decided to quit my job about like three years ago and I'm a translator myself. Uh, I studied um, Norwegian, Danish and German at university and I've always wanted to start my own thing and I decided that the translation agency was definitely something I have a lot of passion for. And I also love e-commerce. So I first started doing the e-commerce translations. And then I, after like a year, I decided to niche down to Amazon because I saw that, you know, um, a lot of people struggle with translating the listings the right way with the keyword research. They don't know what it means. They just Google Translate everything. And I just saw the potential in actually, you know, helping people increase their profit. And it doesn't have to be such a nightmare. Um, everybody thinks uh, it is. And now today, like we are, we have um, uh, 42 team members, full-time team members, and uh, you know we're just expanding uh, to all other European markets that are going to open soon. Yeah. So we do basically everything uh, when it comes to all European markets, uh, Japanese and Mexican market. Yeah, it's, it's it's really exciting. And one one little tidbit that you told me before that I think listeners might be first time hearing is the Dutch market. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's an information that we got that uh, the Dutch market, so Amazon is going to enter the Dutch market uh, in January 2020. So should be any time now. And um, ever since November, we've been getting a lot of uh, inquiries from sellers saying that they want to start with listings, they want to start with products for the Dutch market. That was beginning of November, and I think so far we've done about 
80, 90 ASINs, but people really want to like translate all of their products. They just want to go like, let's do it. Let's do the Dutch market. And I was honestly really surprised because I mean, I'm pretty sure people uh, know about Ball like on the Dutch market, which is the biggest marketplace over there. Mm -hmm. But there's still a lot of people obviously that are interested in selling on Amazon that market. Yeah, I mean, we were chatting. I mean, I, I know some Dutch that they were kind of almost chuckling a little bit at some events that I've talked to, and they're like, oh, we're safe in Netherlands, right. or for some reason Amazon's not in the Netherlands yet, but <laughs> I guess... Uh, Nobody's safe. <laughs> nobody is safe from Amazon. So basically, that's huge news. I mean, and in Dutch, Dutch is a very interesting language. I have Dutch friends. I met a bunch in China, and it's almost I hear I always hear like an English word pop out of a sentence when they're talking, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> I know, right? Sometimes it's like, did you just you know uh, say something in English? <laughs> yeah. The the, pro the the only problem for the Dutch market, um, it's also like for the Japanese market. You don't unfortunately have any tools that provide keyword research. So for the time being, uh, maybe they will introduce Dutch language on like different tools. But for the time being, you cannot do any decent keyword research. You can just see what your competitors are doing, but they also don't have any keyword research done for Amazon. Um, the only thing you can basically do is like go to, I don't know, Keyword Planner. I mean, that's the closest you get to doing uh, keyword research. And then you just kind of hope to get to find something which could be used for your product. So you have to do a lot of things manually. Well, I guess what I usually say is if it's, if it's easy, everybody's doing it. Or, you know, obviously the early, earlier into a new market, probably the better. So I wonder, though, maybe it's a good discussion. How, how do you decide? How do you tell a seller to just, I mean, I'm sure you talk to your clients and people in the game. And how do you tell them to go to Netherlands or Germany? Or how, how should they know which markets to even go into? Well, basically, a lot of people um, just think, do you think this is a good idea? And then, you know, and when talking about Europe, if you're, let's say, a UK seller or a US seller, you want to go to, to sell in European markets, you should always definitely start with the German market because it's the biggest market of them all. And usually the products which are best sellers in the US market, the UK, they work fine also on the German market. And also this German market is like a, it's like a five star market because all of the other countries which don't have Amazon established there, they, they are transferred and people buy from the German Amazon. So actually you get a lot of sellers all from the whole Europe uh, buying from the German Amazon. And there are a lot of countries that don't have, um, that, that don't have their own Amazon uh, marketplace. Um, so you can get a lot of um, a lot of attention, and um, you know, uh, not, it's not necessarily that your competitors are going to be as strong as on your uh, home market. Uh, we've had people who were maybe the first or the second to sell uh, some product. We've just recently done some. Um, uh, there's a hint, uh, energy bars, <laughs> and, but okay. they were kind of like for recovery and for, they were not like regular energy bars and you could not find that on many markets like in Europe, while as in the US, they were, you know, like just, you know, uh, drowning in their competitors rage, literally. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that, that's like a, that's a really good uh, option if you want to go to pan-European, um, if you want to do that. You should just definitely opt for the German market first. 
And also another tip, like the German market really loves kids' products. And I'm talking about glitter, face paint, crayons, everything for toddlers, which can be used to, to, to draw or to you know make some stuff like DIY kits and stuff like that. That works insanely well on the German market. And when, you know, sometimes you just have to wait for a long time until you get some results. With a lot of these products, you can just get like really good increase in sales after just you know a couple of weeks. Um, I've just recently talked to one of our clients and he was selling uh, products on Japanese market and usually things over there, they just go super, super slow and you have to wait for like three or four, even six months before something even happens because I don't know, this is just how the, the, the market is over there, I guess. Mm, all right. I'm thinking of our friend Ivan. He's a Singaporean in uh, Chiang Mai. I, I hang out with yeah, him at our meetups. Yeah. I think he he's saying to me and he's saying at some of our little roundtables that he's tired of the U.S. It's so difficult. He's how he's moving to Japan. Well, not physically. Exactly. But. And, and yeah, we actually did a product for him in Japan. And a really good thing is that PPC clicks and your cost uh, is going to be at least 50% less than on the U.S. market. Um, so you could be saving a serious amount of money just by doing this the same way you're doing elsewhere. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. And Mexico is another one we were actually just chatting about, and you just mentioned Mexico. So it's kind of cool. We get a little bit of a taste of all these different markets. Hmm. But there's some restrictions, right, going into Mexico, from what I understood. Yeah, but you know what the thing is that um, I've just recently also found out about that. Like when you go to the, to I think it's in beta version, or maybe they've just released it now. Uh, when you go like on the U.S. listing, versus uh, the U.S. seller, there's going to be like a drop-down menu where you can change EBC into different uh, languages. So you don't have to necessarily make a listing in like Spanish, Mexican or something similar. And Mexicans also, of course, they, they can also um, order from the U.S. Um, uh, Amazon. And then depending on where they are, you know, uh, setting or based like the IP address, the, the, you, you can they, they can get to see the EBC or A plus content. They can get to see it in Spanish, Mexican. So you don't have to do anything extra apart from just translate your A plus content and it's going to switch between languages. Mm. which was not available before yeah and i guess obviously you, you know you didn't mention australia but then there's australia um of course i guess there's no translation because that's english or or is there any differences you think i, I mean, mean i mean um you know what like honestly we haven't done anything from for australia and I've talked to some uh, people, and I don't know, like, I haven't uh, met anyone who was, like, dying to go to the Australian market. Um, I don't think it's um, – I, I think there are, like, a lot of other marketplaces over there that might be interesting. But in terms of expansion, like, from the U.S. to U.K., like, nobody has uh, nobody has uh, ever done it. And also, you know, it's English, but there's also some sort of, like, you know, localization, like, different words – also, there are no uh, keyword tools for uh, Australian Amazon, um, while as you can have UK and US, two different markets, English language, but they might have like different uh, keywords, you know, like we were doing this like 
funny pack. So it was like funny pack, like in the UK where like quite a, like those keywords were uh, better in search volume than those same ones in the US market was like something else. So I think there are uh, a lot of um, differences when it comes to keywords and the way people are using their, uh, you know, the terms for certain stuff in Australia and compared to UK and like, you know, I don't know, if you would talk to someone from South Africa, it would be completely some, you know, something completely else, right? Okay. And then how about um, Middle East or the UAE? Is it, I mean, is that, that's English though, right? I mean, I've heard people doing well there. I haven't, I have no experience there. I'm just throwing, I'm kind yeah, of just covering yeah. all the different markets I can think of. But. Yeah, right. So yeah, the, the UAE, we, we, we've, we've done some uh, inquiries and, but people wanted to have it done in Arabic, like not in English, but I've seen a lot of people just doing it in English and just like leaving it like as it is. Um, so yeah, I also heard people were doing well, uh, well as in Japan, um, everybody wants to do it in Japanese. Um, Japanese is a really interesting language because, um, apart from having words that you have in Japanese, you can have like English words, like you can have like English words, but they are spelled in Japanese, you know, like the word beer, they would say biru. Right, so that's kind of English version of the Japanese uh, Japanese version of an English word, and mm. they would use that, and then they would use their Japanese word for beer, which is I don't know what, <laughs> but um, and then when it comes to keywords, you can have like these English written uh, words in Japanese, and then Japanese Japanese words, you know. So you just have to think of all of the possible um, combinations, but I've seen more English listings definitely on the Middle East uh, Amazon than on the Japanese um, Amazon. Okay, okay. So so people are maybe a little bit overwhelmed hearing we just kind of went all around the world and would that be something you could even help people with? I mean, I'm still not sure how people should decide, even myself, you know, I think the complexity, I guess they could look at the marketplace there, the supply, demand, keyword research you're mentioning. Well, I, I just think first, like, it's uh, it's really important to see, like, first you have to do, of course, the market research. You have to see, like, if your product might be a good fit, you know, like, if the sports equipment is going to do well, like, in Germany, for instance, or UK, or whenever you want to start. I think that's the essential. And then you see, you know, like, how many competitors you have, What's your uh, PPC click rate? I mean, that's also like something you have to consider because, you know, if the cost is like more expensive here than like the U.S. or your home market, then, you know, why why would you bother, you know, like spending so much money? Plus, it's like an other language. I just really think it's important to do the little bit of the research. You know, it will be really cool if you find something that is not that competitive. I mean, if your product is maybe not that competitive, like these like protein bars I was talking about, and then you just decide to do it because, you know, you can see that all sorts of other protein bars or energy bars are doing good. So, you know, probably you, your product will, would also do well as well, you know. You just have to pay attention, like when you're going to international markets, that maybe if something is legal in the U.S., it's not legal in the German market. And we've had one of the clients, he was selling a shampoo, and this shampoo had like some like ingredient list in the UK, but it was on the German market, one of these ingredients were considered as a prescription drug, and the product got banned. So you also have to pay attention to that, and I know a lot of people, they want to get into supplements, and 
food and stuff like that and that can be very 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 tricky so what you want to do is like before even starting you just want to see if like all the ingredients are allowed to on to be sold on that market because you don't want to get like initial push from amazon and then only to find out that your product is illegal basically you know to be sold like that on german market mm, got it got it that's a good point too and then I guess if you found out after, what would you know, I guess you'd have to just pull pull out of the market that product, right? Yeah, I mean, or you just I don't know. I mean, I, if you if you can maybe like uh, remove that ingredient, or you know, like German market is a little bit tricky because they really want to know what they're buying. They really want to know. They want to have like clearly written descriptions. Everything should be, you know, like uh, you know, tell me what it is, like black and white, literally. And because also like on German market, our businesses also work like that. You know, in Germany, it's pretty, you know, much everything is clear, straightforward. And don't, don't fool, don't fool me around, you know, like, and don't push me into buying this product. Don't have all these like sales pitches in your listings. And the most important thing is, you know, what reflects all business culture in Germany is that Amazon Germany is actually the marketplace which gives the most refunds. Because if the if the buyer says like ah I want a refund I'm not happy with this they're like fine here's a refund and it works very easily because it's like okay you don't want it fine we'll refund the money so there's no like oh but can you please blah you know it's just like yeah fine we'll refund the money so they do a lot a lot of refunds um, which is quite interesting. Hmm, interesting insights. And then this Dutch market I know. What should somebody do? So they would that be more position for somebody already in the European market? I mean, are you, I'm an ignorant American. I some people say I'm almost <laughs> too hard on myself. I kind of lump Europe, you know, as a whole. But I know there's uh, obviously, especially with this whole Brexit. Honestly, I haven't been following it. I don't know even where it's yeah, at right now. Yeah, I don't now, know. It's but... gonna be like a, I think they're there um, in like in ten days or so. I, I forgot the date, but the, they have to, you know, made up their mind uh, what's gonna happen. So yeah, a lot of people are like, you know. But the thing is, like, whatever happens with Brexit now, all of the big companies, they kind of already, you know, relocated or found some other, you know, like, holes in the system to kind of stay there or not stay there. So I think it's uh, now it's all about, you know, smaller businesses who are going to get affected because I think that all the big uh, companies already, you know, thought ahead and just going to sort their, their things out. That's always a bummer. It seems like even in the U.S. with the... Uh trade war it the bad the, the small ones get hit the hardest but yeah fortunately yeah so like going back to the dutch market that would be you know i guess through germany right that's obviously not... yeah yeah okay so then somebody should have an account there already i mean do you think obviously if you're going into the if you're going into the european market right do you, how many languages do you suggest somebody to start with or how many languages are there even? Well, when you enter the, the European market, uh, first you answer about the Dutch market, usually like all the requests we got were from the German clients um, and they want to go to the Dutch market, like not even the UK, but Germans, they really wanted to get to the, to the Dutch market. And so I think that, you know, for the Dutch market to use it, I think you should be definitely a European seller, not like an US, uh, you know, it's going to be really weird that somebody from the US wants to go to the Dutch market. You know, it's kind of, mm -hmm, it doesn't mm -hmm. sound 
much sense to that. Um, uh, usually, like, there's, like, EU5, and then they said, like, you know, that Amazon is also going to start the Switzerland, Belgium, you know, it's going to be, like, EU uh, EU6 or EU7, like, at the beginning of the year. So they're going to do uh, Swiss, uh, Belgium, and I think it's going to be one more country. Um, uh, I forgot what country was that going to be, but they're going to expand to uh, two or three more markets also uh, pretty soon. Um, so it's going to be very busy in Europe, I think, next year. Mm. Since uh, Amazon is going to do the pan-European, it's going to expand to additional countries. Uh, but the most, I mean, the, the biggest markets are definitely, I mean, the UK, Germany, France, Spain, and Italy. Um, there's also Turkish market, but I mean, I honestly don't know anyone who's selling on a Tur- Turkish market. Um, do you know anyone? No, no, I didn't know that yeah, either. Yeah, but there is an actual uh, Turkish market. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's over there. But uh, usually, when people do go to Europe, they do the pan-European uh, thing because it's much easier to go than later to all other um, countries once you're registered with the pan-European uh, system. And unfortunately, a lot of people, they complain about uh, VAT uh, process, which can take forever. And you really want to hire an agency uh, that knows what they're doing uh, or somebody to help you out with that because you'll be stuck in like two years of just like uh, uh, papers you don't understand and just going back and forth forever. And the thing for the VAT is that you have to register, apart from these countries that are part of pan-European, uh, system. You also have to uh, register in, uh, for instance, in Czech, so Czech Republic, like that's like one uh, country. And there's also uh, one more country you have to register in, which is uh, outside of the pan-European uh, deal, which is something that people don't know. And I don't also, I don't also fully understand why you have to uh, like uh, register for VAT in some other countries like Czech Republic. Uh, that's pretty unclear to me as well, mm-hmm. but you know that's just how it all works. So it's basically if you think you're gonna register in four countries for the pan European, you have to actually register in seven. So that's why it takes uh, such a long time. But if you hire some like tax agency that can help you with, you can get it all done like uh, in like six or seven months time. Okay, great info, great info. So let's talk about there's a course. Obviously, there's a first. Well, there's, I guess, what you just said, like getting your taxes and your VAT set up. And then, of course, there's translation or localization, right? Do you want to kind of give us some some common mistakes clients or people you work with make about about localization requirements or something that you yeah. might not know? I, I always, yeah, I always like to um, compare like the U.S. and the German market because German market is, as I said, like everybody wants to start on the German market when talking about Europe because it's the biggest market. And the thing is that a lot of people, they really don't realize how that market works. Like what I mentioned for the product, you know, like you should do the, you know, market research to see if your product is going to be a good fit. You can all, you have to also have to do the market research about, you know, the audience and people and what they like and what's their style. And a lot of people just uh, don't seem to pay enough attention to that. And they just kind of have their listings translated from the U.S., like those sales pitch, you know, like this, buy this adorable, cuddly, furry friend, or, you know, like pamper yourself in luxury. And 
and stuff like that. And then they push people into buying, like buy today and stuff like that. And if you just take this text, like the US text, and just translate it to German, it would not make any sense to the buyers over there. It's not going to be appealing for them to to buy a product, you know, it's going to just have the, the, the opposite effect because they'll be just like, um, I don't want you to tell me that your product is amazing. I will be the judge of that, you know? And they're like, I don't want to be pushed into buying stuff. Like I want to decide this for myself. And by the way, where's your ingredients list? And like, I don't see this very transparently what you're talking about. So they really want some facts. They don't want like, you know, so much like emotional outbursts in those listings. They just want to understand what they're buying and how to use it if it's safe for their kids and some very other important information. So same things that worked on US will you know, probably not work for all products on the German market. For some products, like I don't know, if you're selling plushy toys, of course you have to be, you know, all cute and you know, but also until um, up to a certain extent, not in the same way we're doing it on the U.S. market, because this kind of doesn't seem appealing to the German German customers to um, just write and uh, have listings in that way, and also a lot of people just put a really really long bullet on the German market because they're like, I just want to, you know, use all the 499 characters. But you know, you should not uh, like write a novel in the bullet. It, like you know, like two or three sentences per bullet are absolutely fine. Um, uh, you just have to make a good point about your product and what it's all about, and you just have to understand the style and the localization are everything. So you can have a really good um, translation from U.S. to German, like, but it's a literal translation. But you have to modify the text and the listings in in a lot of ways in order to get the best out of it. Of course, if you have a good product, it's going to sell anyway, anyhow. Like if you if you're, have a poorly written listing, it's still going to sell, right? But just imagine how much better you can do if you have something localized for that market and optimized with the right keywords. Mm. Um, a lot of people ask me, you know, like, okay, so like if we do the listings, um, if, how, many, how many more sales am I going to get? Or like what's going to be my... Uh, profit increase, you know, I mean, it's not all about, of course, listings. I think it can definitely, definitely help. But you also have to, you know, do so many other things, you know, well, like, you know, PPC, photography, A plus content, your brand, uh, you know, storytelling, like so many different aspects that you have to uh, pay attention to. But I would say that the one thing that people oversee the most is this thing, which is called localization, to make it um, sellable and to make it um, to adjust it so that people in Italy or Japan or somewhere else think that you are actually that this a good product for them because you can kind of you know you can get in their head you know they'd be like this is how they think so this is what I'm going to serve so you actually tell them something which they're used to hearing on their own market and which something for instance Americans have probably I don't know never heard of in their life. But you just have to pay close attention to that. And that's why, you know, it's always good, like, if you get listings or, <clears throat> sorry, if you get, like, a, maybe even machine translation or somebody from Fiverr, if you have somebody in that country, like, maybe it's your aunt or somebody's married to somebody, blah, blah, just have them read it. And if they say, like, well, this doesn't make much sense because we don't use this, like, metaphor for this, like they do it here, that's also, like, a good input. And you don't have to pay money for that or anything. 
it's just important for this person who lives in the country to say if it feels like it's like German or French or Spanish or it feels like it's something weird in the text going on. Okay. Yeah, localization is something for sure people need to understand and obviously can't make that mistake Google Translate and throw I have to admit something to you guys. It's funny. Uh, I, I did the my first e-commerce business was bar supplies, and I did uh, I did the UK and Europe. Well, UK is easier. I had .co.uk and eBay, and I also did uh, EU. I bought an EU domain of this brand, and I bought .co.uk, and I just Google translated to German, and uh, right. it even got sales. This is like 2010 or so, 11. And yeah. But the hard part is the next question is the customer service. That was well, oh right, yeah. How are you gonna do that? That was really yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah. I was Google translating and then Google translating back to them. It was kind of insane. I know it's a nightmare. And when you kind of you know Google Translate because if you do like English to German and then you kind of German to English and then to the third language. It's like it doesn't make any sense at all. And I mean, you know, like Google Translate has come a long way uh, when, when people use it like 10 years ago and now, but it still doesn't understand the, 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 the point of the context. So, you know, it, it can make perfect sense when you translate like one word or maybe a few words. But if you insert like a paragraph about I don't know what, it doesn't necessarily make sense, you know. Um, so, um yeah, it, it's, it's, I mean, of course, sometimes you have to use the Google Translate. And of course, as I said, the product, you know, it, it, it will sell because maybe it's a good product and maybe you just have that kind of main a description of a product is good because it was using Google Translate, you know. But just imagine if you had keywords and if your text actually made more sense, you know, it could just make things better, definitely. Okay, and then so how do you recommend people to do the customer service? I mean, work work with the uh, work with your agency does the ongoing too or is that separate or is that somebody else or is that somebody they should hire uh, internally or yeah well uh, a lot of people go to amazon and you know like whatever it's free and it's coming from amazon it's kind of a little bit to be suspicious about and it actually ends up costing you more money because you know nothing from amazon which is like a free Thing, it like kind of it was a good service according to my opinion and other people I talked to. Um, so Amazon offers that as well, but it's all like machine translation. I mean, you can as well do like what you did, like Google Translate everything and just kind of you know do it <laughs> the the way you want to do it. Um, the thing for the customer service, yeah, we offer customer service as well. Um, the thing is like we also use like keywords also in our answers because they're all indexed. And if you want it done like in slang and like more formally, depending on your product, we also offer that. And it's a really cool service because you do it like you send us like a, a question and you ask us like how should we do it, and we do it literally in three or four hours tops. So it can be actually you know it can be replied to the customer in their own in their own time zone and their you know in real time. And you know like Amazon always says like you know customer service is like the most important thing ever. 
And I also think like working like in e-commerce and stuff, I think this is what uh, uh, buyers and clients really appreciate the most when you get like a really fast response. And I just think, you know, when I answer my emails to clients and like, you know, they heard from me like the same day, they'll be like, wow, thank you for so much for responding. You know, people are just not used to getting responses like so quickly, like within a day or two. Because they usually are, you know, you're used to like, you send an email to somebody and you're like, okay, like six days later, I might get an answer from this. I mean, this is what, you know, what I've been um, going through with every sort of service I've been using. But um, you don't you don't have to hire like a professional service to answer customer service, especially if you don't have a lot of uh, questions. I mean, it's it's cool if you have like a pan European accounts and then you have a lot of questions because we have clients that ha- get, would get like hundreds of uh, hundreds of questions for all four European countries, and we have a flat fee. So you know, basically, you pay once for the whole month, and you can send us as many questions as you have. But if you have just like a few questions, you know, maybe people are asking like, um, what's your address and stuff like that. You can totally hire somebody on Fiverr to help you answer those questions if you don't have a lot of questions. If you do, then it's much easier and more convenient to hire somebody that can help you with everything other than just like always contacting the Fiverr or Upwork translator to, to help you out with what did the customer say or what should we answer and stuff like that. So I don't think uh, if you're small or just beginning, I don't think you should overspend on those things. I, I would always say that it's good to hire like a regular translator because these are going to have like a decent response in this language. And um, I think customers will appreciate that, that it's not like Google Translator or something like that. Okay, cool. So let, if you don't mind, I know it's not your, your service, but the Fiverr hack. So if I only get a few questions, I could go there, pay somebody give them the question they give me the answer like that like or is it like ongoing i have no idea. i mean i guess um, yeah well i think i i use fiverr for like uh for grab design work and stuff like that in the past and i think you can just uh you know hire somebody per project and then you mm. can say okay here's like 10 bucks for this and then you just tell them like look here i have a question or you know maybe you can just write um, I need an ongoing project, but I think you can pay per hour and you can pay per project. Mm, so uh, this is what hour. you can do. If you have like really super simple questions and answers and you don't have that many questions and if it's not, uh, you know, so it's not a big of a hassle because I think that people just kind of go crazy when they're like, oh, I have to go to the freelancer for one thing and then do the second one for this thing. Nobody controls them. You never know if it's going to be like high quality or not. They don't have any you know, like uh, processes, like how they do it or they don't. Usually people on Fiverr, they don't have any proofreader. They're like a one-man band. So, you know, whatever they translate, they just send it to you. So you cannot, you know, be sure that, you know, it's going to be that good while while you're using like a professional service who has like processes, proofreaders and stuff like that, you know, all in one place. Mm, Okay. All right. All right. This has been been a a great conversation. I think we're getting towards the – the end what are some you know it's 2020 people are you know finishing their hopefully they had a great fourth quarter as their business hopefully they had some fun holidays and you know now they're going to the gym they're doing their new year's resolution is there some new year's (laughs) resolution ideas we could do for going international i mean what's some steps people could take if they're not doing it maybe for us only right now 
Well, I, I, just, I think that people should uh, consider um, Europe. Uh, I think people should today, they should go there and check the competitors on, let's say, UK or German market. Check your competitors because I don't think uh, 80% of the people have done that. And I think the people could be surprised about the number of competitors they have on some other market that is going to be less than in the States and might consider doing international um, uh, shipping and, and just going over the seas to get some more increase in profit and sales. Because if your competitor is doing an amazing job in the U.S., maybe you can just do as equally as, uh, impressive in Germany or U.K. or Japan, Japanese market but you never actually, you know, uh, sat down and took uh, like 30 minutes uh, to just go try, try to find your competitors uh, overseas. And you might just be surprised in that you don't maybe even have any or that you maybe have only a few and that those over there, they're doing much worse than you are. So you can just totally get ahead of your competitors. This is what I would suggest to people. Just sit on like uh, go to Amazon.de or UK and just try to find your product and see how well the competitors are performing. And maybe that's just going to be something which can make your 2020 even better. Okay. This is awesome. Yeah, I think that's a great actionable point for the new year. And hopefully if they had, you know, some investments they can do for the, um, for the new year. Yeah. Uh, and definitely we, we chatted a little bit at the beginning but maybe you can share again how what you could do to help people if they if they were interested and enjoy what we talked about today what, what would be some things they could do to find you and right you? so definitely we we offer uh we do seven to eight hundred listings every month and uh, we've grown pretty big uh the last like a year and a half and we really offer highest quality of listings so we do the the listing translations to all european markets so if you want to do one ace into four or five countries, we get it all covered. Our turnaround time is about like four to five days, depending on how busy uh, we are. So we do the listings with keyword research. We do Helium 10. All the translators are natives doing the keyword research, and we also provide back-end search terms. Um, also, what I mentioned before, we also offer customer service. So if you're a seller and you have a lot of questions and you don't know how to handle them or you don't have time for freelancers, we offer all of that. And basically, I think I think Amazon charges about like $600 per language, and we charge 600 euros for four languages. So okay. it's a really good deal. And I think a lot of people would find it very, very useful. And you don't have to cash out with so much money because it's literally 150 euros per language per market. And I would like to offer, because it's January, and I think everybody deserves a really good fresh start, uh, we can offer 30% on the subs uh, customer service subscription plan. So 30% on the 600 euros for four languages um, uh, for European markets for anyone that wants to use us. Awesome. Uh, we also do all sorts of other translations like ads, follow-up emails. Basically, we cover everything which is written in English and you want it done in any other language. So all aspects of um, Amazon Marketplace. And we also do flat files because people always complain about how do I know what to copy-paste? And we just create flat files so you can just easily upload them to your account and you just save yourself so much time and and tears. <laughs> yeah, it is true. It's just more... It's also more scalable. We've had like Dan Fernandez, he also 
shared at the cross border summit and uh on the show and it's also a you know a good tip i think to have a, a flat file it's more scalable definitely more- i mean you you can upload so many products at the same time and you really just you know click and upload and that's it and you really don't have to even know uh you know where where is what is the first bullet what is the second bullet you know it's all taken care uh for you yep okay yeah it's been a pleasure and then what's the website or how can people find you Right, so our website is wildt-translations.com and uh, you can contact us on info at wildt-translations.com and if any of you have any of the already translated listings and you're maybe wondering, like, why is this listing underperforming or, you know, is there something I can improve about my listing? You're more than welcome to send us all of your listings and we can give you a feedback about um, if, if the listings are good enough, if they're optimized, if the language is fine, or is there anything else you could do to make your listing even better? Awesome. All right. It's been, yeah, it's been great to have you on. It's also been great to get to know you the past couple of months, and uh, I look forward to more things we do together. And thanks for sharing with our listener today. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It was an absolute pleasure meeting you in China. So you were, you know, one of the top people I met in 2019. And that's why I love all of these conferences and travel and all the community because you never know who are you going to, you know, discover next, you know, as like a new person, new, new contact. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy uh, for the whole journey last year and I'm looking forward to the new one this year. Yeah, let's make the most of it. Thanks. I really feel happy to hear that. And uh, me too. It's been great to know you. Thank you so much. As mentioned in the intro, we have the Cross Border Summit 2020 5th Annual at Chiang Mai, Thailand. It's time November 19th and 20th, 2020. It's going to be a formula that people seem to like we're gonna have a pre-event for the vips and a mastermind on the 18th and then 19th 20th will be two full days of speakers and networking and amazing amazing time together to connect with others in our amazing community if you are interested to learn more www.crossbordersummit.com slash thailand thank you so much yana i we her and i met each other and first time at the summit and we hung out at some of the other happenings happening at the uh, south of china in these trade show seasons i hope everybody enjoyed that episode it's a fun one we have so many amazing shows coming up i mean people want to be on the show and i want to get some amazing people for you to listen to so we got a good deal we got a good deal people want to come on the show i want people on the show if uh if this show is helpful to you Seems like the best way is sharing with a friend, word of mouth, I think. Honestly, I don't even know how to market podcasts, never did mm, get myself in trouble. People sometimes came and find it. Actually, we have a Spanish one, Spanish language one. We also have um, a video one. I, Pat Flynn at Smart Passive Income, of course, everybody knows him, got me all into video podcasts back in like 2015, and I did like three and uh, maybe more, four. But, uh, you know, audio podcasts is where we're at. But definitely tell a friend. We put amazing video, you know, amazing content out there and try to help people totally for free. Can you believe it? Wish I had this when I was a kid. 
Also, another little fun one, AliveFor.com. It's like a free tool I put together with our team over the holidays, and it calculates how long you've been alive to the second and how long you have to live. Of course, you have to make an assumption how long you'll live. I put 80 years old. I don't know how old do you think you will live to. I mean, I know it's really sad and scary, but I've learned that I think it's Tim Ferriss and some other smart people, you know, have this stoic mindset where you accept your accept who you are, accept where you are going to be, accept life and accept death. You know, I think that's changed my life, changed the way I think, you know, like, man, every single second is passing. I'm looking at this counter as I record on this audio recording software, a second gone by, a second just went by, a second just went by, a second just went by. (sighs) Anyway, I'll try to get the blah, blah, blah sessions going again, but Honestly, maybe I'll, I'll stick this one in for a few minutes. Talk about my UK and German experience before Amazon. This is like Andrew, my business partner on the, the New York Bar Store website. We uh, basically um, had no idea what we were doing and just found a fulfillment center in the UK and started selling stuff on eBay in the UK. And I don't know if I said in the interview or not, but I got destroyed, seriously, because we had an integration issue of the shopping cart. It was .co.uk, and we had .eu, and uh, some some European characters are crazy with, like, the square, a circle, small circle on top of the U or something, I think a Swedish name, and the warehouse software didn't connect, and we were, you know, automate your business, automate your e-commerce, and, uh, man, that crushed us because... That system just blocked. It was like it just held up every order after it. So we had like, it was like, uh, I think it started in December 12th, 14th, 15th in like 2010. And it was just piling up orders and none of them were shipping. And nobody noticed because it was automating everything. And we're doing the US, the UK, Europe. But, uh, and the technology company's like, oops, sorry, but it's, you know, it's your risk. It's your, it's just, it's your risk. It's uh, not our problem. You know, we'll fix that bug. <laughs> and then meanwhile, you're getting like rained on angry customers like two or three days before Christmas when we figured out. I mean, we spent money like crazy sending it, but we got negative feedback bombed or pissed off people. But, uh, I think that's part of the game you know going in the game being a gladiator actually i'm still getting great feedback on amazon for our e-commerce gladiator.com our book that we wrote i sent another copy out to some people we are trying to mail out some maybe i'll put a way to actually have people buy the print version i'm taking some to the philippines but you know it's a gladiator man going to all these markets like Jan is talking about each market is, is is maybe it's easier with Amazon now, but still you got taxes, you got languages, you got uh, you know probably have somebody dedicated to make sure the orders are going through, make sure the inventory is going well. It's 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 a really a lot. So I hope that this is uh, helpful to you, these shows. But uh, just take action, man. Just do it and uh, have systems in place, fallbacks, daily checkups on orders, customer service, and. Uh, but don't just listen to do. I'd love to hopefully have some of you on the show. I've had some listeners on the show in the past, so maybe it could be you. But uh, you'll only get there if you take action. Even if you're making a mistake. If you, Well, you got to learn from it and improve. But it's way better than not taking action. So please, 
right. Back to Shenyang Life Cold. See you next week. I'll be in Manila soon, but uh, still be here next week. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.